I used to write code for a living. And please emphasize, used to. Now, don't get me wrong, as I enjoyed it, and I respect those who can do it while maintaining a full head of nine-dyed hair. But when I spent way too much time trying to determine why the computer was telling me that 2 plus 2 consistently added up to 4.34567777877297297 times e to the negative 23rd simply because I forgot to correctly punctuate a line of code with a semicolon, I threw up my arms in frustration and started down another career trajectory. Now I write books and I manage a team of about 50 software developers and I still battle semicolons when I'm writing books. Or is it, now I write books, semicolon, and still battle with semicolons? I can win. Some of my critics say I should attempt yet another career trajectory, that being a greeter at a mega department store. However, I didn't raise the white flag of surrender. Instead, I decided to make a change to the way I wrote. So now, instead of semicolons... I use dashes. They're much easier to manage, and my sentence structure doesn't seem to end in a plethora of syntax errors and database crashes. And I didn't ask anyone for permission to do it either. I just decided to write that way. You see, I was very agile in my decision-making process. Now, my editor, on the other hand, probably has a different point of view, but he hasn't listened to this podcast yet. Just so you know... He's also the one who uses MS Word to cross out lines, or often pages, of text in my manuscripts, then puts in a comment bubble next to it containing one word, hyperbole. This podcast isn't about proper punctuation, though. It's about being able to change direction on the fly and get things done without creating a plethora of unread documentation requiring a senior executive vice president's approval before movement to the next project phase, and then ensuring there's enough paperwork to pass the blame onto someone else because, quote, I coded it that way because that's what the requirement said, and I didn't write the requirement, so it's not my fault. So there, unquote. And then have the next defense be, quote, I wrote the requirements, and Joe signed off on them. It's Joe's fault, unquote. This podcast is about being agile. It's about writing software, managing software projects, testing software, and creating requirements in the most efficient manner possible in relatively small, measurable increments while demonstrating progress and hopefully quality. It's not, and I emphasize not, about writing requirements. Stopping, getting sign-off to ensure adequate blame passing, writing the software. Stopping, getting sign-off to ensure adequate blame passing again. Testing, stopping, getting sign-off to ensure some more blame passing. Delivering the software, stopping, then passing the blame to the group or person that isn't in the room to defend themselves when the software doesn't work and the customer isn't happy. This last method I kind of hyperbolously explained is commonly referred to as the waterfall method of software development because the project happens in stages and you don't move from one stage to the next until the previous stage, think blame passing here, is complete. 
I think of it more as a way to get really, really drenched at the end of the project, no matter how thick your wetsuit is. Let's go back to books. When I write a book, I don't create a complete outline, run it by my agent, start with the first sentence on page one, continue through to the words, the end, spell check, get approval from my agent, then start the process all over again until I have the requisite four or five drafts and ultimate blessing from said agent. Ugh, that sounds really quite painful. You see, I'm more agile than that. When I start a new novel, I have a notebook I use to jot down my ideas. That's my whiteboard. It's the only set of requirements I ever have, need, or desire. And when I begin actual writing, I sometimes start in the beginning. Sometimes I start at the end. Sometimes I fill in the plot concepts needed in the middle, and then hop back to the beginning, then add more to the end, and sometimes back to the middle. Somewhere in that process, I'll have a cup of coffee or two, write some more hyperbolous words, cut them out with a handy-dandy Control-X, and then start work on another chapter. Basically, I'm working on several small stories that I'll ultimately assemble into a novel. Every piece of the novel started as a separate, sequential word file that I can easily move around, open, change, rearrange, and edit as I need. It's a pretty novel way of writing, if you ask me. It's kind of like putting a puzzle together, and it works great for software development, too. So what exactly is Agile? I know we've all heard Waterfall, but maybe not Agile. In Kent Beck's book, The Principles Behind the Agile Manifesto, he outlines 12 guiding principles for Agile software development. Number one, customer satisfaction by rapid delivery of useful software. Two, welcome changing requirements even late in development. Three, working software is delivered frequently in weeks rather than months or years. Working software is the principal measure of progress. Development must be sustainable and able to maintain a constant pace. You must have close, daily cooperation between business and the development team. Face-to-face -face conversation is the best form of communication, not reams of paperwork. Projects are built around motivated individuals who should be trusted, and that is key. Agile development requires trust. Continuous attention to technical excellence and good design. Simplicity, the art of maximizing the amount of work not done, is essential. The agile teams are self-organizing. And finally, the definition of Agile is regular adaptation to changing circumstances. All of this kind of wraps around into what is called the Tao of Agile. 
and the Agile Development Methodology started gaining ground in about 2001 and was introduced by the Agile Manifesto. And it's basically extreme programming with core values. Four core values. Individuals and interactions over process and tools. Meaning the way the team works and the way the team gets its work done is more important than reams of documentation or the specific tools they use. Functioning software over comprehensive documentation. The primary benefit of agile software development is that you will get working software every two weeks. And the third tenant of the Tower of Agile, customer collaboration over contract negotiation. And this means that you get your customer and your customer can be an internal customer, an external customer. It's whomever is going to use that software involved so that they see what's going on and they can comment and make changes along the way. And the fourth tenant of the Tower of Agile is responding to change over following a specific plan. There are several key building blocks to an Agile shop. And when you're working in an Agile environment, the terminology sounds more like a rugby game than a technical forum. You'll hear terms like scrum and sprint. Both of these are key to the process and also key to the game of rugby. The scrum, also known as the daily stand-up. This is the meeting held by the team and managed by the scrum master. It's called a stand-up because technically no one is to be sitting down and technically shouldn't last more than 15 minutes each and every day. The purpose of this meeting is threefold. What you did, what you plan to do, and is there anything preventing you from making progress? Like I said, the scrums take 15 minutes, definitely nothing longer. The scrum master's job is to keep the the meeting moving and to remove any and all roadblocks that are preventing the team from making progress. The scrum can have guests, but they cannot interact until every member of the team has spoken and only if they, they are providing valued information to the team. The sprint. This is the period in which the team works and the success or failure of the team is measured. It's generally two to four weeks in duration, and the success of the team is self-defined and measured. It's called the team's velocity. That is how much work the team has committed to get done versus how much they did get done. There are many differences between the traditional waterfall method of software development and those defined by Agile. One of the primary differences is the second core value, functioning software over comprehensive documentation. In the traditional waterfall method of software development, the process is the process, and you typically cannot move from one step to another without completed documentation and sign-off of that documentation. The waterfall method requires reams and reams of functional requirements, technical requirements, business requirements, and the list goes on. Each of these, in turn, 
require approval before any development can take place. And I've been involved with projects where that process of of documentation takes months before any line of code is written. Agile, on the other hand, is the paper napkin method of software development. The requirements are short, sweet, and to the point. And the objective is to begin forward movement and, in turn, progress. Not analysis paralysis continually debated in meetings and conference calls. Measuring your work during an Agile project is key. The team defines the amount of work it can do during a sprint in a process called sprint planning. It's the job of the scrum master to ensure that he or she has all of the available information needed in order to determine how much time is available and therefore how much work can be done during the sprint. The scrum master has to take into mind how many resources and of each type are available during the sprint. How many developers do you have? How many DBAs? How many BAs? How many testers? Are there any vacations planned during that sprint? Are the user stories authored? A user story is a high-level requirement that the team uses to define the sprint's objectives. Generally, the Scrum Master will work with the business analyst and the product owner in the definition of the team's user stories. A user story generally follows the same format. Customer A requires a tool to perform X, Y, and Z. That's all you need. You don't need to go into paragraphs and paragraphs of explanation of how this thing is going to work because the team will create the software and then present it to the product owner and then they'll tweak that tool until it's complete. There are lots of different roles in a Scrum team and you've heard me mention a few of them already. Agile is a relatively simple process when it comes to roles and responsibilities. There's not a plethora of titles, just three simple jobs. Product owner, the team, and the scrum master. And here's what each job is responsible for. The product owner. He or she is responsible for representing the interests of everyone with a stake in the project and the end result. The product owner achieves initial and ongoing funding by creating the project's initial requirements. The requirements, remember, are not binders containing documentation and signatures. They're just simple, straightforward objectives. The product owner is also responsible for communicating the project's ROI. The set of requirements is commonly referred to as the backlog. The product owner uses the product backlog to help ensure that the most valuable functionality is created first and then built upon that during later sprints. The team. The team can vary from sprint to sprint and from project to project. If a particular sprint does not require a DBA, for example, then the DBA is not a member of the team during that period of time. Overall, the team is responsible for creating the functionality defined by the product product backlog and prioritized by the product owner. It is important to know that the team is self-managing self-organizing, and cross-functional. Collectively, the team is responsible for the success of each sprint and for the project in its entirety. Now, the Scrum Master. 
The Scrum Master is responsible for the overall Scrum or Agile process, for ensuring the team and the product owner understand the Scrum process, and for ensuring the Scrum processes are followed. Primarily, as mentioned before, the Scrum Master is responsible for ensuring all roadblocks preventing the team's progress are removed. The people who fill these roles, the product owner, the team, the scrum master, are those who have been committed to the project. Others in the organization may be involved, but they are not on the hook for the project's overall success. Basically, they don't have any skin in the game. Those who are committed and those who are involved are commonly called pigs and chickens. In the scrum story of pigs and chickens, goes back to an old farm story. You see, a chicken and a pig are very good friends on the farm. They're having tea one day, and the chicken and pig are having a great philosophical conversation about life. And it goes something like this. The chicken says, Hey pig, we make a good team. We've known each other since we were little. We both work very well together. You know what? We should open a restaurant. And the pig, he gets all excited and he says, Oh, chicken, that is a great idea. You're right. We do work well together. What do you think we should call this restaurant? And the chicken ponders for a bit. And he says, You know what? I was thinking I, I think a good name would be Ham and Eggs. And the pig calms down and his excitement just drains away and after a little bit he thinks about it and he says you know on second thought chicken I think I'm going to pass and the chicken looks all disappointed and he says but why you sounded so excited a while ago and the pig says well you know the idea is great but when it comes down to it you're just involved I'm committed And that's the distinction between pigs and chickens in the Agile world. It's not meant to be disparaging. In the Agile process, it's critical to understand who is on the hook, who is committed, the pigs, and who is just there to see what's going on, those who are involved, the chickens. So what's next? Well, there are bookstores, shelves filled with books on Agile development. And there's been a quick podcast overview. And in the next podcast, I'm going to talk about the concepts of sprint planning, creating measurable work items, and evaluating story points to get your project very agile. Until next time, this has been Gianova Voice.